This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield, going for Hopkins. One-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Here we go. This is it. Caught by Kirk at the 20, at the 10. Touchdown! Oh, baby! How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Mike Jarecki, and Bertrand Berry. So there will be no singing, but we do need to shout out Kurt Warner and wish him a very special happy birthday. Graybeard, as Ron Wolfley likes to call him or nicknamed him, is truly now MJA Graybeard. He is 50 years old here on this June 22nd. Happy birthday to Kurt, uh, considered one of the NFL's greatest undrafted players. He's the only uh, undrafted player to be named the MVP and also the Super Bowl MVP. And we know how successful he was with the Arizona Cardinals and... uh, just less than two minutes in that game, Craig. But anyways, happy birthday to Greybeard. And our colleague here on the Carl, Carl, uh, the Cardinals Red Sea Report as the professional broadcaster here opens up the show. Bertram Berry has an intimate relationship with Mr. Warner, and we have to say it, B-Train, because it is in part because of you that Kurt Warner is up in that Cardinals Ring of Honor because of a certain day in New York. I believe it was what a would you like to say a, a four piece uh, day four sacks no, no fry. There you go. See, I I, I, I always remember. Yeah, well, you know that was actually a Sun Devil. It yeah. was uh, it was mid November and and uh, we were right. playing the Giants. We needed a win and and uh, you know highly contested game and. Uh, you know, Kurt and I never talked about that game because, you know, I was always embarrassed because I always thought the world occurred. And, and I'm just glad that whatever the scenario was, he became a teammate. And obviously we were able to do some great things together and have some great memories. And so definitely want to send the birthday shout out to my old teammate. Uh, he may be a great beard, but he's got a heart of gold and, uh, you know, definitely got love for him. Man. Well said. I believe on that flight home is when he was tapped on the shoulder and said, we're going with. Eli Manning. Carlos Dansby might have got him a couple of times that day, too. So, mm. details. Absolutely. It was a great day for Carlos. <laughs> great day. All right. Well, speaking of quarterbacks, your favorite position to talk about here, B-Tran, we're going to talk about the guys up front that are in charge of protecting the quarterback, and specifically the Cardinals' offensive line. So Kyler Murray does not have a four-piece no-fries afternoon like Kurt Warner did on that day in Sun Devil Stadium. And specifically, B-Tran, when we look at the five-man up front, that five-man group, if you look at it, you know you've got three Three starters returning, D.J. Humphreys, Justin Pugh, and Kelvin Beecham. If Justin Murray wins that right guard competition, then you've got four-fifths of that starting offensive line returning. And then, of course, the man in the middle, the new face, if you will, Rodney Hudson. And I don't think it gets any bigger or better as far as centers are concerned. That looks very solid when you talk about an offensive line. Well, question. And I think for a lot of defensive lines, they're going to have to try to figure out how to attack this group and and when you have a great front five uh it's really easy to call plays because if they can establish that line of scrimmage 
then anything that you call should have a chance of being successful. So as a defensive lineman, the one thing that always frustrated me was a group that worked together. And this is going to be a veteran type of group that if, if they're able to, to be on the same page quicker than or sooner than later, then I think that uh, the Cardinals have an opportunity to really do some special things on offense, which really sets this team up for a lot of success. And I've said it a lot, MJ. It's not so much that individually they're the best at their respective positions outside of maybe Rodney Hudson. DJ Humphreys is certainly elevating to be a strong left tackle. But it's how they work, as B-Train mentioned, how they work together, how they coexist, I think is going to say a lot of what the Cardinals offensively will be successful. And I, I would say this. I mean, the fact is, yes, until they get a guy's an all-pro or, you know, he's, uh, you know, makes the uh, – Pro Bowl, then all of a sudden they'll get the credit. But as a unit, we know that Sean Coogler has been a big difference over the last two years, and they want to get better there. To me, it's the strength of the offense. I mean, nothing against Kyler Murray. If they protect him and they can run the ball and utilize play action, but I think that the strength of the offense, you know, you look at the wide receivers, it looks like they're more deep, a little bit deeper there. Tight end, maybe you got two, they're probably going to add one. But I think that's the strength of the offense would be the line. The question mark, though, as I mentioned, is right guard, and I think it's the only true position battle, if you will, on the offensive side of the ball. And right guard, you've got four guys, Brian Winters, Justin Murray, Josh Jones, and Max Garcia. Winters, I think MJ goes in, at least for me, maybe as the odds-on favorite just because of the experience at that position. Although Murray, as I mentioned, he started four games to close out the year, so he knows the offense. Winters, though, has him in the experience category. He started a ton of games. He actually played with Calvin Beecham with the New York Jets. There's some familiarity there, but I think they want to have competition. And they've mentioned four different guys that possibly could compete for that. And clearly, they're going to address eight on game day. So you got to think Josh Jones, who got a chance to play last year as an extra tackle. Justin Murray has has the experience. You throw in Winters, and then you all of a sudden look at a guy like Max Garcia. I think he's more of a guard center. But I, I think when you look at the top eight, um, besides Josh Jones, they got a lot of experience up there. Jones is the interesting, maybe the wild card in all of this, drafted as an offensive tackle. Last year, as you mentioned, more of a sixth offensive lineman. But as we heard from Sean Kugler this offseason, he has the versatility to play inside and perhaps be in that mix for right guard. DJ Humphrey certainly has liked what he's seen so far out of Josh Jones this offseason. You can tell Josh has took his offseason serious. He's come in and he's very tapped into his playbook. He's been... Uh, working a lot of inside and out, and he's, he's leaning into it. He doesn't have any reserves about it at all, and that's impressive to see for a young player. They try to move me to right tackle, and I was I had a chance to start, and I wasn't trying to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's impressive to see him be so young and just lean into whatever it is that he has to do to be excited to, to help this team. B-Train, we're not in these meeting rooms. We don't are not up close on the practice field, but how would you ha- kind of handicap that right guard battle, which will be a battle in training camp? I see it as the, the guy that, that is the most consistent is going to win. And I think for Coach Kugler, he's really established competition at every position, which is good. I think it's healthy for a team to have competition at every position. And, yeah, there's going to be some that have more competition than others, and that's based on the guys and what they've done at those positions. But I think here it's going to be imperative that the, the, whoever wins this out of the four, that they come in and they show that they can handle – whatever comes their way consistently. If not, you can do it for a play two or a drive or two. You've got to be able to do it for 60 minutes. And if you're able to come in and, and, and really shore up that, that missing piece for this offensive line, 
then I think it, it really opens up so much of what you can do as far as playbook and 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 different concepts. And I think you, you all of to take this offense to a whole nother level that maybe they hadn't experienced yet. It is going to be something to pay attention to, and I don't think we'll get an answer immediately. It might go all the way through into the preseason and get an announcement maybe even ahead of week one. But that issue as far as who plays right guard, if Brian Winters is the guy, then of course, as you mentioned, MJ, that there is familiarity with the right tackle in Calvin Beecham. Teammates with the Jets for a couple of seasons from 2017 to 2019. Beecham returned, signed a two-year contract in the offseason. He was very solid last year. In fact, Pro Football Focus had him as allowing just three sacks all year round. But there was, at least for the Cardinals, there was interest. And for Beecham, there was no other place for him to play if he was going to continue playing in 2021 and beyond because of one man, and that would be Sean Kugler. Sean Kugler is a big reason why um, I made the decision to come out to the desert last year and, and really probably one of the single most important reasons why I signed back this year. Um, Sean Kugler is the guy that stood on the table and drafted me in 2012. I probably wouldn't play right tackle for another coach, just being honest with you. Coaching matters, and now Kugler has a larger voice in that room, if you will, B-Train, as he not only is the offensive line coach, but gets added the run game coordinator title. How much or what does that mean exactly? I'm not exactly sure. I think we'll have to kind of figure out as the season progresses. But as they say, you know, you get that title, and then all of a sudden maybe a louder voice becomes, we see a little bit more of a running game with the Cardinals offense this season. Well, you hope to see more of a running game. You want to see a physicality and, and a style of play established for this team. And, and I think the more that you have that, the, the more you have calls that can can really befuddle if you a defense. And, and if you're running the ball, play action comes into play and, and all types of, of, of ways to manipulate coverage and, and, and dictate what type of coverage you're going to see. I think all of those things are going to be uh, part of the deal, and also the mentality. I think for the 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 mindset of these guys up front, if you run the football th- th- and you have success, I think that gives them that much more confidence. And I think a confident offensive line as a group is going to be able to accomplish much more than just guys going out there trying to survive during the course of a game, and, you know, trying to trying to block their their individual assignment for that particular play. You look at Kelvin Beecham last year, he played 1,128 snaps, 99%. And he started all 16 games, so I think when you look at the film, um, they were trying to figure out who was going to be the right tackle. We didn't think Josh Jones would start right away, and the Cardinals had him ranked very high, and he goes 62 in the third round. You look at Josh Jones as an extra blocker, he had 55 snaps there, Garcia 69. So, again, also these guys play on special teams, you know, extra point and field goals, etc. So... Um, I think you know they have eight top guys, and I'm sure they want to have that second unit just as good where there's not a big drop-off if somebody did get hurt. They were ranked very well, rated very well, according to all the metrics, talking about the offensive line. You look at the numbers, 2,000 yards rushing, 20 or more touchdowns, and that's only happened six times in franchise history. And you mentioned, MJ, the improvements of that offensive line under Sean Kugler since he arrived with the Cardinals as good as things have gone. Coach realizes that there is still some things that that offensive line needs to work on. 
When we're rolling, we're hard to stop, and, and we showed flashes of that, but flashes, you know, didn't get us to where we wanted to go. We got to be more consistent in the penalty phase and, and really on a lot of pre-snap things, you know, false starts and those type things, and those are not tolerable. That You can't have those to be successful. It puts you behind the chains. It makes every single drive that much harder to be successful at the end of the drive, so uh, we have to eliminate that. Here are the numbers as far as the penalties are concerned. The Cardinals were penalized 113 times, 45 of those pre-snap penalties, the second most in the league. And B-Train, you played, we didn't, but a pre-snap penalty to me is more mental, especially if you're on the offensive end and you jump early or defensively you're trying to be a little bit more aggressive and jump across that line. It is mental, and I think for – Players and coaches, it's frowned upon more than a play that when you're actually trying to do something positive for your team. When you have a mental breakdown, that that's all on the individual. You're not going to hold the whole offense or defense accountable for, for mental errors. And, and I think penalties are the quickest way to kill a drive or to uh, have your, your team scored on as far as uh, on the defensive side. So you definitely don't want to have those. And, and when you can control those, uh, it's up to the individuals. We're all pros. We're all paid. So it's, it's up to everybody out there. When you're on the field, you're trusted to do your job, one, but not beat the team in the process. If we look at what happened after the season, we know this team did not play well down the stretch, including the offensive line. They were, they were rotating guys. Um, some guys wore down as the season unfolded, so they make the promotion here, and I still think they're going to run a lot of 11-12 personnel. Last year they run 11 personnel 40% of the time, 12 personnel 30% of the time, and I'm sure Cliff is in, likes these receivers. They ran 10 personnel 20%. I think with Sean Cougar's influence, we're going to see a lot of 11-12 personnel that year this year and that means you got the win at the line of scrimmage it's going to be fun to pay attention to and kind of monitor if you will how that offense looks and then progresses not maybe in the regular season but if we can get a glimpse in training camp season four episode two of the emmy award-winning series cardinals flight plan available now go to youtube.com slash az cardinals hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of the emmy award-winning series cardinals flight plan this is the arizona cardinals radio network shotgun snap hurts short set steps up being chased far side by gardek sacks him at the 41 yard line Dennis Gardeck has become the sack machine. Shotgun snap, Hurts with a short set, in trouble, steps up, gets hit, and sacked. Dennis Gardeck was there first. Somebody hit the stroll, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Gardecki! 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 Enough time has passed since last season to where, you know, things kind of slow down and you remember certain moments of the year and you can kind of understand why things happened or why it didn't. I'm still trying to wrap my head around exactly what Dennis Gardeck was able to do. B-Train, you look and you listen to his numbers. Keep in mind, 93 defensive snaps. That's all he played last season, yet he had seven sacks, seven tackles for loss, and 10 quarterback hits. Again, he had never played defense at all. 
up until he was called upon when Chandler Jones went down at the New York Jets. It is a wonder what he did, and it's just unfortunate now that he's still rehabbing from that right ACL injury. But uh, when you look back at what Gardeck did, what impresses you the most, B-Train? The thing that impresses me is that he took advantage of the opportunities given. In fact, he only had, what, 90-some reps, and he was able to have that type of productivity. I think it's clear that he's earned the right to be on the field a lot more than what he was last year. And there's no quicker way to impress the coaching staff and your teammates than to go out there and make the most of the few reps that you get. And when you make big plays to help the defense get off the field, you're definitely going to be held in a higher esteem. And I think for for Dennis, he's definitely already earned respect of the players and the coaches. But to go out there and do what he did in in, in little – time that that just makes his legend grow that much greater here in Arizona I mean this guy made the Pro Bowl as a special teams player and then you look at the Cardinals made him a tender offer so they must feel comfortable at some point he's going to be able to contribute for the upcoming season um, clearly they feel like you know it, we'll get into when his return could be but you know depending on when he returns it's almost like making a trade and then we'll see what the rotation is at the outside linebacker position because he's earned the right, as B-Train said, to get more snaps. And I want to touch on that, B-Train, because there is, and I kind of fall into this, because he was so good that obviously you want him on the field more, but is he still that successful if he's playing more snaps, or is he better in certain packages, certain situations, because he is that full-speed-ahead kind of guy and maybe doesn't have all the technique, all the different moves as, say, Chandler Jones? I'm not comparing the two as far as getting to the quarterback, but maybe smaller doses of Dennis Gardeck work better for him to be successful as an edge rusher. It was great for him because he wasn't game-planned for. And you talk about a Dennis Gardak lining up over a tackle, he's not going to get the same respect or the same look that a Chandler Jones will. And, and that's part of why he was able to have that success. Now, going into this season, I think there's going to be offensive coordinators and offensive linemen that are going to pay a little bit more attention to Dennis because when he comes in, they're, they're going to remember, oh, this, this is the guy that had – the seven sacks and, and the tackle for losses and the quarterback hits and all those things, he was very productive. So once you've done it, then you've gotten everybody's attention. So I, I think he can still have that same productivity. He reminds me of a, of a poor man's Kyle Vandenbosch. When you start talking about – and that's not a diss to Kyle because I love Kyle. But he, he's going to get a lot of his plays made because he's just an effort guy. He is just not going to quit. And you need guys on the team that are not going to quit because there's going to be plays that are going to be made by them just because they're, they're going to play until the whistle's blown. And, and when you see those guys have success, you root for them because you know the type of energy and the type of effort that they bring to the team, and, and only positive results can come from it. And if we recall, when, when they went to that NASCAR package, you know, similar to being, bringing in pass rushers or the jet package, it was really effective considering they couldn't get pressure. It was more by committee, and you got to give Hassan Reddick a lot of credit, but it was done by committee, and they finished, what, 48, 49 sacks? 48. And they should have more this year with the addition of J.J. Watt, a healthy Jordan Phillips, you know, just as a, as a whole defense, and whether they play man to man or uh, or zone, 
Um, they should be better in that area. The question now is, when will we see Dennis Gardeck on the football field? Got hurts against the Eagles in Week 15. The updates here from head coach Cliff Kingsbury asked about Gardeck during the recent minicamp session. Dennis, I, I wouldn't put anything past Dennis. I mean, he looks great. Uh, it sounds like he's ahead of schedule by all accounts, and so we'll see how he feels going into training camp. But um, if he's not ready for the start, uh, I would expect him to be uh, ready soon thereafter. Now, there's a great article up on azcardinals.com by Darren Urban, who had a chance to speak with Gardeck during this rehab process recently. And to hear Gardeck, he didn't put a timetable on it. He didn't say, yeah, I'm going to be ready. But you could tell in reading that article, MJ, that he is itching to get back. He is full speed ahead. He's being told to dial it back because great, you're available week one, but we don't need you to suffer a setback. How about we make sure you're as close to 100% as possible, and if that is, to your point, in mid-season addition, i.e. a trade, then let's have you for the last eight games, nine games of the regular season. He, he works out here basically every day, probably five days a week, takes the weekend off. I don't know that for sure, but I know he's been here working out, and I wouldn't uh, bet against him, but you know, the Cardinals will have some flexibility here. If he starts camp on PUP and he's making progress, you can, you can take him off PUP. But if he starts a season on PUP, then he's going to be out six weeks. Is it six to eight weeks? Six weeks. Six weeks. So um, let's say he misses a few games and he comes back late September, October. It's like getting another player in free agency, even though we know what he can do on special teams. So um, it's going to be hard to kind of pull him back a little bit. But he's, you know, Jermaine Gresham was on PUP, and then it took him two weeks to get into football shape. I don't know if that's going to be the case with him, but until he's cleared, we're really not going to know anymore. Well, we did see Gardak doing some light running during OTAs and minicamp. He was on the far side of the field with the training staff. North so and south. He is doing some work, and he is around the team and watching film and being in those meetings and yeah he will be a part of this defense moving forward of course he was a big part last year here's defensive coordinator Vance Joseph specifically talking about Dennis Gardeck on what he was able to do last season he's been a big part of uh our NASCAR package and our jet package I mean he makes it go he he's the quarterback I mean he actually makes the calls you know with our uh pass rush games you know, most of his sacks, he's, he's been blocked, he's been stoned, and he just won't stop. He plays very few snaps, but he has very, very high production. I want to go back to something you said at the start of this segment, B-Train, about taking advantage of the opportunity. And maybe we don't see Dennis Gardak play any defense if Chandler Jones doesn't go down. And it's just something that you're waiting in the wings if you're Dennis Gardak for that tap on the shoulder and say, son go in let's see what you can do some players get that opportunity others don't but it is a great example for everyone out there even if you are undrafted you can be successful in this league if only given the opportunity but it's up to you to do something with that opportunity you got to be prepared and that comes with preparation you got to be prepared for the moment and that's the one thing that makes it so great as far as as Dennis is concerned because every time he was tapped on the shoulder as you said he was prepared. He was ready for the moment, and he took full advantage. And, yeah, there's going to be times where you get tapped on the shoulder, and if you're not prepared, you can go out there and make a fool of yourself, and, and you won't get many more taps on the shoulder after that. So the fact that he's been able to do that and and excel in the and I, I think Dennis is the type of player that he really doesn't care. As long as he's contributing and helps my team win, 
whatever role that they put him in and ask him to play, I think he's going to go out there and, and, and play it at the highest level and, and to the best of his capabilities. And those are glue guys. Those are the type of guys that you need on a roster. You need about three or four of those guys to just have around because they set a tone just by the way that they approach the game and their professionalism and, and, and their energy and effort is something that is definitely contagious and the rest of the team can catch on. I'll say this, he is, if he does play defense, that's great, but he is dead set, and I think he will always have a role on special teams just based off what he has done, and we know the voice that Jeff Rogers has in that room. You don't want those guys to go. Yes, you're happy for them to get out of their opportunities on offense or defense, but special teams is always going to be important for this organization, MJ, as long as Jeff Rogers is here. Yeah, between five and eight guys, and usually it's if you're 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 playing backup in a role, you're going to be dressed on game day. Now, if you go back to that game where Chandler got hurt, and he was going against Andrew Thomas, who I like coming out of the draft, but he obviously struggled. He pancaked him on the first uh, play, and the next thing you know, it may be going against Humphreys in training camp or the right side. He put a move on on Andrew Thomas, who was picked very high in the draft, and after that, you could see that they were trying to slide the line a little bit, but. He he got pancaked right from the get-go. I'm like, wow, this is interesting. And then he came back, and and obviously him and Hassan Reddick had big games. When you look at outside linebacker, you've got Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden, and Devon Kennard. Maybe those are your top three, and then you wait until Dennis Gardeck gets healthy. But B-Train, when Gardeck does return, if those top three guys are not doing what they're supposed to be doing or aren't effective, you know you've got someone in the bullpen, if you will, just chomping at the bit saying, put me in. I don't think there's any reason to keep Dennis Gardak off the field. Yeah, you may have names in front of him, but when you start talking about productivity, the productivity speaks for itself. Seven sacks is seven sacks. There's a lot of starters in the NFL that don't have seven sacks. So if he is available and, and, and he has an opportunity to get on the field, you put that kind of productivity on the field and, and we'll, we'll worry about hurt feelings later. So I, I think it's, it's all about who's got the hot hand, who's playing the best at the time that should be playing, and yeah, there, there may be three right now as it stands, but when you get into the heat of the moment, he's got to go and show and prove because he's already done that. You got Marcus Golden and Dennis Gardak, two passionate players that just have a motor that is just go, and you have to kind of hold him back, and that's part of this rehab process. But to B-Train's point, MJ, you like to have those guys, but maybe it's not so much. And I think Gardak would be open to getting more defensive snaps, not at the expense of special teams. We just see him more on the football field. Yeah, and you got Kylie Fitz, and and again, you, you look at the uh, you know the Jet package and the NASCAR package. Are they going to use that this year? Considering you got Collins and Simmons inside, we know Buda Baker can come in the box. I mean, you want to get your playmakers on the field, so it's it's going to be interesting. Um, it's really um, good dilemma for uh, for Vance Joseph because he's going to be able to pick and choose based on the opponent. So I, I'm curious to see what kind of packages they come up with because you can use Dennis Gardick, and he may draw. You know the extra tackle on the outside, or maybe he's got to face a running back to get to the quarterback. So it'd be interesting to see this year how different it is from a year ago. Now that you have Chandler Jones, 
J.J. Watt and Jordan Phillips. Yeah, I was going to mention, J.J. Watt is a new part of the equation. Jordan Phillips healthy, and then all of a sudden, maybe you don't need that NASCAR package because you're just, with your base defense, if you will, you're getting pressure on the quarterback, you're getting into the backfield. The question is, does that include Dennis Gardeck or not? And when does it include Dennis Gardeck? Single game tickets are on sale now, Bird Gang. Visit azcardinals.com slash ticks. That's azcardinals.com slash game T-I-X. More about the outside linebackers a little bit later on in the show. But as we hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, when we come back, some more love for those pass catchers, in particular one who hasn't been talked a lot about this offseason. That's straight ahead. Craig Rayaloup, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Flushed out, rolling left in trouble, slips a tackle, got to launch it. He does, left side, into the end zone, jump ball, and it is. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh, my goodness, it's caught. DeAndre Hopkins caught it. He caught it for a touchdown with one second left. I can't believe it. You've got to be joking me. Hopkins reaches up with three defenders around him and pulls it in. And the Cardinals lead it 32 to 30 with a second left. You can't cover Duke. You're not going to be able to cover him. Throw the ball off. Maybe the highlights of the season. All right, not maybe. It was the highlights of the season, not just the Cardinals season, but the entire NFL. And now it is up for play of the year as far as the 2021 ESPYs are concerned. The Hale Murray, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, as described there by Dave Pash and Ron Wolfley, into the quarterfinals for best play of 2021. They are now one of eight uh, eight finalists, if you will. Again, this is a fan vote, Bird Gang. Go to ESPN.com slash ESPYs. That's ESPN.com slash ESPYs. It has already won Clutch Play of the Year at NFL Honors back in February. So the top 16 plays across the board, MJ, now whittled down to eight and the Hill Murray in the quarterfinals. As we pointed out on Cards Cover 2, you can vote early and often, and it's real easy. And is there another Cardinal play in there? Well, there is another one kind of sort of on the <laughs> other half of the bracket, if you will, and it, uh, it involves Buda Baker and a uh, Seahawks wide receiver, and, uh, well, we'll just leave it at that. It certainly was a <laughs> tremendous play on DK Metcast half, but, uh, yeah, the uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun, and, uh, well, bottom line is the Cardinals won that game, so it doesn't matter exactly. what happened, the end results of that. All right, let's continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Craig Rielu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertrand Berry. And speaking of DeAndre Hopkins on the receiver, end of the Hail Murray. The wide receiver position, certainly I think B-Train, we expect a lot out of that position. Year two in this system for Hopkins. A.J. Green is back. And Christian Kirk we haven't heard a lot from him. Rondell Moore is the newest toy, if you will, along with Green. But there is someone, now that we don't really know what's going on with Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk is the veteran in that room, at least in terms of wearing a Cardinals uniform. And he's a guy that has a lot to prove, and, and I'm sure he's relishing the opportunity to go out there and remind everybody that he was once upon a time a big play receiver, and he was brought out of Texas A&M to be that, as, as well as a, a special teamer. 
for this team, and injuries have definitely played a role in, in him not living up to the expectations thus far, but I really believe that he's put in the work this offseason and he's gotten his body right, and now it's just a matter of putting it all together and being consistent out there and, and making plays when his number's called. And if he does that, then he still has a lot of football left in him to realize all the potential that was talked about in reference to him coming out of college. Once again, it seems like the key word today is opportunity. I mean, he's going, he's in the final year of his contract, okay? And I follow him on social media, and he said, I'm going to make him pay. Now, we'll see. He's got to stay healthy. I think COVID did affect him, but he had as many touchdowns as Hopkins last year. Obviously, he didn't have the targets, didn't have the yardage. Um, but the Cardinals could roll four wide receivers out if they wanted to. I mean, again, you still want to protect the edges, but... I think Christian Kirk knows, you know, by drafting Rondell Moore, and maybe he'll have more of an impact on special teams, but they're clearly going to get involved in the offense, the jet sweeps, the bubble screens, could line up in this slot. But Christian Kirk's a very good route runner. They said he was too small, too slow, and we, we watched him get 70-yard passes from Kyler Murray. There's a connection there. He's just got to stay healthy, and he's, he's got to be engaged. And if he does that, I think he's going to have a good year. Well, we saw him a lot play in the slot last year, maybe without – Fitz being in the mix and if A.J. Green is that other outside receiver does Christian Kirk play that backup role if you will to A.J. Green unless you go four wide and now all of a sudden Kirk is in the slot with Rondell Moore. I think you know you got A.J. Green he's an outside guy and the way Kyler Murray's talking about him he said people are falling asleep on him paraphrasing and that tells me he's got a connection with him of course they did work out for a few days in Dallas and um, you know, if he gets 45, 50 catches, but he's going to be your outside guy, 50, 50 balls. Um, and then I think Keyshawn Johnson, you know, I think he's right now probably number five. Um, he'll be your backup there. And then we'll see if they move Hopkins around, but uh, they could roll out four wide receivers if they choose to. But again, I think a lot of 11 personnel, and then you can rotate Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk. Looking at Kirk's numbers last season, B-Train, he was the second most targeted wide receiver at 79, and he did have six touchdowns that tied DeAndre Hopkins for the team lead. But there was certain parts of last season, the start of the year and the end of the year, in which Kirk kind of disappeared. He had a great six-game stretch between weeks 5 and 11, in which he had five of his six touchdowns but just one touchdown in the seven other games he played. And whether that was you know, his faults, the scheme, or opposing defenses taking him out of the game, uh, there were several post-games in which we were wondering what happened or where was Christian Kirk on that particular Sunday. For sure. And only he really knows what happened, why he had the fall-off in productivity. And I think he's had plenty of time to think about it. He's had time to be honest with himself and look himself in the mirror and say, okay, this is what I did wrong and this is what I'm going to have to do in order to make sure that those things don't happen again. And I think at this point he understands it's all on him. He's betting on himself. He's got to go out and and make the plays and it's just taking it step by step. You can't think big picture. You can't think, okay, I got 17 games. You take it day by day, week by week, game by game. And if he's able to take that approach and, and really minimize the pressure, then I think he's going to have a really big season. I don't know what the numbers are going to look like, but I think it'll be numbers that he's going to be happy with, and he will indeed make the defenses pay and then make the team that wants him for his services pay as far as money is concerned. 
if I recall, he dropped two touchdowns. I know one was on the goal line going into the end zone, and another one he was close. And so, I mean, maybe his confidence was up because he normally makes those catches. And, and when you get down to the goal line, obviously you got to know um, you're going to take a hit trying to get in the end zone. But he did drop the ball going into the end zone. Well, or the, close to the end zone. And you look at his absence in the final game as he was on the reserve COVID-19 list along with Fitz, and all of a sudden, you know, you have Christian Kirk out on that field. Maybe that game is a little different. I, I mean, again, there were a lot of things that went wrong that afternoon in Los Angeles. But, B-Train, you always say, you know, your best ability is availability. Kirk did play 14 games last season more than he had played the previous two years but to your point you have to be able to not only be available but once you're available do something with that availability got to be able to impact the game in some way and 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 as a receiver that's catching the football and and blocking and 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 doing the things that makes this offense successful and, and makes it go and for whatever reason it just didn't work as consistent as consistently as we would like for christian kirk and i think again he knows why, and as long as he's addressing it and, and, and being a professional about it and you see a different Christian Kirk this year, I think everybody's going to be happy with it and, and everything that he went through will all make sense when it's all said and done, and I think he'll be a better man for it, and, and I'm rooting for him. A former second-round draft pick, hometown kid playing for the hometown team, MJ. You root for guys like that. But here this offseason with A.J. Green in the mix, the drafting of Rondell Moore, what do we always like? We like what's new, and the newest are Green and Moore. And all of a sudden, yeah, Hopkins is going to be D-Hop. We know about him. And then it's just, well, well, there's Christian Kirk. that Maybe being in the shadows, maybe not being talked a lot about, maybe uh, being off the radar, if you will, will be be good for Christian Kirk this year. Well, I remember us having this conversation. Was he one A or number two wide receiver? Now, now with the addition of AJ Green, and we'll wait and see because Rondell Moore has yet to play a snap in the NFL. I'm excited with the upside, but you know we know that slot cornerbacks uh, are just as good as the second corner. But sometimes you may draw, draw the fourth cornerback, uh, and that's where you got to get off press coverage and make those catches. So again i i believe he has a chip on his shoulder he knows what's uh, what's at stake here and he's got 17 games to prove himself well he can also make an impact on special teams i think that's going to be something to pay attention to because i think the expectation is is that's rondell moore whether on kickoff or punt or both but kirk does have that ability to be the return guy on punts which we've seen and you know i think you'll see i don't know if it's competition but i think both of those guys specifically will be given every opportunity to kind of win that job well, we know he's going to be active on game day. He plays on teams, but I, I think going in, uh, I think Rondell Moore is going to get a chance to, to return punts and kickoffs. B-Train, do you like the fact that maybe if you're not talked a lot about, then that's better? Or if you're not being if you're not being talked about, all of a sudden you become forgotten and no one wants to be forgotten? I love it when you sleep on me. And then you just watch me work. Because then I can come back and I can silence all the critics and all the naysayers. And it's so much sweeter when when you go about it that way than when you're boastfully talking and then you're not able to deliver. So I think he's making the right approach. Just watch me work and and he's going to put his head down. He's going to go to work. And I think we're going to see great results. And as we've all said, we're we're rooting for him. He's a hometown guy. And and I know all of Phoenix is going to be rooting for Christian Kirk to have a big year in 2021 put it this way more people talking about fans media have asked about a player not currently under contract that would be larry fitzgerald 
than a player who is under contract and supposed to be a big part of this offense, Christian Kirk. So we'll have to wait and see, and maybe it does light a fire under the former Saguaro High standout. Bird Gang, subscribe to Arizona Cardinals podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go, like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, and of course this show, The Cardinals Red Sea Report. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. When we return, more talk about the outside linebacker position and a new face in that room. Someone who Bertram Berry is going to be keeping a close eye on this season. That's all straight ahead. It's the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. outside linebacker I was excited about he started every single game he played in college I think it was 46 47 straight games and Charlie Bowen and I Quentin Harris and I we, we went to the pro day the coaches start talking about this guy and you know they just light up the kids all business they say he's the alpha of the group uh, they actually use the word scary to describe him so um, <laughs> no, no one messes with the guy so you get that alpha personality with a Duke degree it's kind of rare Six foot one, 262 pounds. The Cardinals' sixth round draft pick, Victor Dimukeji, 210th overall selection. Drew Grigson there commenting on Dimukeji on a recent episode of the Big Red Rage with Paul Calvisi and Ron Wolfley. Uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of you, B Train, you know, the uh, alpha male, you know, you, but with the, instead of a Duke degree, it's a Notre Dame degree. Are, th- are those one and the same here, or am I opening up a, a door that I probably shouldn't? open up oh yeah you're opening the door wide <laughs> open brother you know we we don't compare our degrees to anybody else's uh, much respect to duke but uh they're not notre dame that's for sure i knew i was gonna walk into something there by the way as we've discussed here on the cardinals red sea reports Mukeji is wearing number 92. B-Train has made it perfectly clear, and I heard it on last week's Big Red Rays. They played the sound bites for Mukeji that, yes, you have to not only look good, but you have to play good. Don't be standing on the sidelines, to which Mukeji said, quote, I feel like I've got the good looks already, end quote. So he's got half of it, B-Train. Now he's got to prove the other half, and that is being on the field, whether that's special teams or getting after quarterbacks. And that really starts with just putting his head down and going to work. Rookies are better seen and not heard. You don't want to have guys that come in and protest too much. You want those guys to just understand what their role is, do their job, and and, and not hurt the team. And, and when your job is done, then you go home. And, and uh, if he's got that 9-2 on, there should be good things happening out there because that name and that number uh, should be one that, that brings a lot of success to this organization. There's a lot of good men that have worn that number and done some good things for this organization. So uh, he can't he can't lower that standard. He's got to be able to, to hold it up. And I got a lot of confidence in him. And, uh, you know, if he ever needs a few pointers, you already know where he needs to come. Well, when he was drafted, general manager Steve Kimes said he reminds us a little bit of Marcus Golden, that high motor, someone who can play with great leverage, according to the general manager. Well, Dimukeji asked about that comp, and, well, he kind of likes it. Marcus Golden, he's a great player. That's actually one of the guys I've been around um, 
through our OTAs and minicamp. You know, I've learned a lot from him. Um, he's a great leader, and I actually like knew about him um, when he was coming out of college. Um, I've watched a lot of him, and he's a great player. He plays with a lot of effort. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, he's a guy that you respect when you put on the tape. You see 100% effort. You see that motor. You see the relentlessness. And um, you know, that's that's a great comparison. Just learning from him, trying to get as much knowledge as I can from him. You know, that would take me a long way. And that learning and that connection, MJ, has already happened. I mean, those two have been together now through OTAs and minicamp, and it sounds like during that interview on the Big Red Rage that Marcus Golden has taken young Victor under his wing. And listen, if you follow Marcus Golden around, you're going to learn a lot. You know, We always look at the energy and the passion, but he, he knows football. He knows how to attack the quarterback. Now, BJ, when you take a look at um, – Victor, from a standpoint of, do you think he could put his hand in the dirt? Is he more of an outside linebacker? He can do both. He can be a versatile type of of, of player, and 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 there's nothing wrong with being a tweener. That means that you can do a lot of different things. I, I remember in Elvis Dumerville back in the day, a guy that was wearing the number 92 and and did some things. wasn't the biggest guy in the world, but his play spoke big. And I think for for Victor, he's going to have that same opportunity if he's willing to put in the work and and be tedious. Uh, about the details and, and being an effective player, then I think it doesn't matter what you ask him to do. He, he's going to have an opportunity to be successful. He's a smart guy. He's going to pick up on things rather quickly. And, and then it's just a matter of if he's given that type of energy and effort, then only good things will come his way. Smart doesn't begin to describe it. It's a degree in evolutionary anthropology from Duke in addition to a four-year starter at Duke. Cardinals do list him as an outside linebacker, 6'2", 265, and he's only 21 years old. A young Bertram Berry is what we hope to see out of Victor Dumukeji. How about that, B-Train? You like the sound of that? I love the sound of that. And I, you know what? I, I, I want to know what the hell does that degree mean because that, <laughs> that sounds like two big words that I had never really heard put together. So I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by, by this young man. Let's we'll get an answer to that maybe next week. Special thanks to those behind the scenes. Jim Omohundro, Cody Fincher for Bertram Berry, Mike Jarecki. I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you in one week's time here. The Arizona Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Middle of the field of the end zone. Kirk, he got it. He's in. Touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack. Stripped the ball. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown. Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.